the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 380 for September 15th, 2013. Apple announces two new iPhones, Straight Talk now supports LTE, and the Nexus 7 LTE hits Google Play. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, as expected, Apple on Tuesday took the stage in Cupertino to announce two new iPhones. Along with the new hardware came the full details of the release of iOS 7 and an update to their overall business, including that 700 million iOS devices will have been sold as of October 2013. Now, on the software side, compatible iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch models will finally get access to iOS 7 starting this coming Wednesday, September 18th. Apple says that iOS 7 will be available for devices made in the past three years, which means the iPhone 4s and higher, iPad 2s and higher, and the main new features, of course, including Control Center for managing radios and settings, Notification Center for richer control over incoming alerts, changes to the multitasking that make the whole thing overall more visually appealing, as well as improvements to Siri. The final version of iOS 7 will also include more ringtones and alerts, more ways to sift through, share, and edit photos in the gallery, and iTunes Radio for discovering and listening to new music. This update is free for all compatible devices. Now, we should mention that uh, we're talking about devices here that are, like I said, iPhone 4 and higher, and iPad 2 and higher, though we are uh, essentially comparing an iPad 4 to, uh, what is it, the third generation iPod touch which is indeed not getting this update so that's an interesting caveat to note that there will be ipod excuse me fourth generation ipod touch but those ipods uh, will not be getting it you have to have a fifth generation or higher which joey that affects you it does because i have one of those and it's uh you know i've had it for about a year and a half but it's bizarre that they stopped selling them just a couple of months ago uh, back when they released that this the strange uh 16 gig version of the iphone pod touch fifth generation that's got uh, that doesn't have a camera or eyesight camera on the back of it a very weird kind of uh, device that they just kind of arbitrarily del- uh, released just uh, uh, one day on their website yeah it's uh, it's interesting how they've made that uh, made that distinction whether it's a ram thing whether it's uh, an accounting thing on how they how many updates can possibly come out for this thing based on the cost of it whatever it is uh, there's a distinction there that's happening so iphone 4 and higher ipad 2 and higher you're ready to roll we'll talk more about that next week after we've had some hands-on time with it. Now, onto the new iPhones. First up, the iPhone 5C. The 5C, the replacement for the outgoing iPhone 5, that will no longer be sold. The main feature of the 5C is the replacement of the metallic body of the iPhone 5 for a hard-coated polycarbonate shell. The shell has a metal frame on the inside, which also acts as the device's antenna. The 5C will be sold in five different colors, including white, blue, green, yellow, and pink. The back and sides of the 5C are formed into a single piece of plastic that Apple says will have no visible seams or joints. The 5C features a 4-inch retina display with an Apple A6 processor, same as the iPhone 5, an 8-megapixel main camera, same as the iPhone 5, and a 1.9-megapixel user-facing camera with improved backside illumination and improved audio to boost FaceTime performance. The 5C will support LTE bands worldwide, features Bluetooth 4.0 low energy, and has dual carrier Wi-Fi. Apple also created custom silicon cases for the iPhone 5C. These will ship for 30 bucks each. The 5C itself will run one $100 with a six for the 16 gig model and $200 for the 32 gig model blows both with two year contracts though the phone will be available for pre-order uh, there was available this past Friday September 13th and starts shipping this coming Friday uh, the 20th of September and while the contract version of the phone will be available on Sprint AT&T and Verizon an unlocked version will be available from T-Mobile as well that version $550 for the 16 gig model 650 for the 32 gig version. So a new device, it is cheaper though, not nearly as cheap as what we thought we were gonna see. And uh, ultimately just a, essentially an iPhone 5 with a uh, some redesigned hardware here, which I guess is good because if you're looking for something different this year, you have it now in the 5C. That's true because, uh, you know, iPhone 5s have been available for a while and they probably still will be from carriers uh, or at least stores for, for some time here in the future. But it now gives you a distinction between the flagship model, the 5S and the 5C, uh, you know, so you know uh, visually if you're holding your hand that you've got a different model. 
Yeah, and I guess that's kind of important, but I think more than that, um, I, I kind of had this revelation at one point this week where I thought, you know, it's all about custom customization at this point, and I think Apple is, is starting to see that people are, well, they're, you know, everyone's just buying iPhones. They're still looking for different ways to customize them, and that's what's happening with the cases, and they figure, well, what the heck? We can just do a polycarbonate shell. We can knock off a little bit of cost. We can get it into more people's hands, and they can feel so that they've got something that's more customized. So we've seen this happen with iPods uh, where they slowly start adding colors or they, you know, once they reach a point, they add a whole bunch of colors. They did that with the iPod Touch fifth generation uh, this year, even though they're the aluminum uh, metallic anodized ones. But so but these add in a whole range of colors. So if you really look at what Apple's done here, especially with the iPhone, they've been very careful in the number of SKUs that they've uh, released. You know, initially it was just a couple where it was, you know, the iPhone, uh, there was no color options at all. There was basically AT&T. So it was, you know, very, very few models throughout the world for the iPhone. And now it's just been slowly increasing here, you know, as they added the Verizon models, the Sprint models, the T-Mobile models. And and, uh, now this year they've got... Uh, lots and lots of options now in different SKUs and models. It's really, really increased. It is, and I'm, I'm excited for at least that, you know, the, the ability to get what you want. And like I said, there's custom silicon uh, cases that are being uh, developed as well. And uh, th- th- those are, I think, kind of interesting. They look like a cheese grater uh, in a way. There's uh, five, five circles cut out uh, going horizontally and seven vertically. So uh, you've got all these holes, or maybe it's six uh, going across. But either way, it's, um, it looks like a cheese grater on the back. And I, one of the things that I, I saw on this, and it kind of made me tilt my head and this is a small thing, and I'm not even sure why I'm bringing it up otherwise, other than it just bothered me, is that when you look at the back of the, the phone now, if you've got one of these silicon cases on it, there's one of the holes is cut out right over the word iPhone. So on the back of an iPhone, you know, it says iPhone on it, and it is, it, it's cut out in a way that just says non, N-O-N, right in the middle of iPhone. And so it, I don't know, to me, it just, uh, it just didn't look right. Joey, you said uh, sloppy, sloppy design right there. It is sloppy. Apple's typically not, uh, you know, typically doesn't do goofy things like that. They, they should have highlighted iPhone in the middle of one of those or, or, or a little Apple that was actually printed on the case, but it just looks terrible when they do it. I mean, they should have moved the dots around or moved the iPhone logo, whatever it was that needed to happen to uh, create a, a nicer looking you know, case when it's on there. Yeah, I don't know. Silly, maybe it's just my type A personality, whatever it is, but I just didn't like it. I don't want a non-phone. A non-phone, no, exactly. And it's not uh, something you think maybe Steve Jobs would have done, right? That comparison, yeah. the old uh, adage, you know, make this look perfect and uh, in every way, even with the accessories, and it just didn't seem to happen there, even though this is a minor point. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I agree with you on that point. Who knows? We'll never know because, uh, unfortunately, we have no idea how many of these uh, precisely Steve was working on. But uh, either way, there's the 5C. Again, that one is available for pre-order at this point with uh, shipping starting this coming Friday. Then came the iPhone 5S. A refresh to the iPhone 5 uh, will be available in slate, silver, and gold. Physically, it looks uh, identical to the iPhone 5, but uh, now we have an additional color. So the additional color is interesting, but it's like, it's not slate. Uh, it's like space gray. Space so it's, gray. It's different than our iPhone 5s, which is kind of a, a real blackish kind of color. This is a much lighter gray, which I think is probably, uh, it's probably for a few reasons they went that direction. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously we had the anodizing chipping issue that you saw on the black devices. Uh, maybe another point of differentiation uh, that now you, if you choose the silver, you've got a silver that looks pretty much the same as the iPhone 5. But the other two colors do look different. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you there that, that that is a good point. So the gold color one is a very subtle gold. It's not real bright, but it uh, their choice of the white glass on the back and the white glass on the front really does confuse me. Uh, I would have much preferred it to have uh, the black uh, front and and the the black the black glass on the back tongue twister there uh, with the gold color. I, I I do agree with you there. That said, I'm not someone that in, that's going to be in the market to buy one that's gold. If that was the only color that was available, I still think I would wait a couple of weeks to get at the very least get the the silver one just because that's got a more I guess traditional look to what you see in the other you know Apple products is you've got that aluminum, but then you're also dealing with white, which again I, I did white phone once. I, I'm not going to do that again. No, and I don't like the contrast of the white around the screen. I just don't. I know the iOS 7 is a much brighter, you know, OS where it won't be such a contrast, but I still don't want that on the screen, even still because of uh, media watching and web browsing and, and, and all of that. 
yeah, it, it is a little bit of a distraction. At least that's uh, that's my take on it. It makes me look at it more versus just the blackout on on all the sides. So anyway, so you've got you've got all that. Of course, Apple's saying there's significant internal changes inside, and uh, they would be right. You first off have the 64-bit system on a chip processor. They're calling that the A7, designed by Apple with over one billion transistors and offers desktop class performance, along with Xcode support in order to make it easier for developers to port their apps. We're going to talk about the 64-bit thing here in just a second, but uh, next up, iOS 7 uh, will be written, rewritten to run in all of their apps in 64-bit as well as 32-bit for the older devices. Apple claims the processor is more than twice as fast uh, as the iPhone 5. It runs OpenGL ES version 3.0 with 56 times faster graphics performance. And uh, 64-bit processors are addressing um, one issue that we'll eventually face here with the 32-bit counterparts, and that is that they max out with 4 gigs of RAM. Uh, the iPhone 5S is rumored currently to only have two gigs of RAM, uh, which is the most of any iPhone to date, and not necessarily something that is it's going to be able to take advantage of the fact that it, you can go far, higher than four gigs of RAM, but at some point they're going to have to make that change. You know, we've got the Galaxy Note 3 that was just released. That's on three gigs of RAM, and that's still running a 32-bit chip in it, so we're, we're coming up quickly here to the four gig limit, and uh, ultimately we'll have to make that switch over. Apple has just done it ahead of time here. Uh, there are many other reasons why you, I suppose, would want to go 64-bit, but uh, Joey, I don't know how you feel about that at this point, other than it's uh, it's obviously going to be a much speedier device. Yeah, it's an inevitable transition to go 64-bit, and of, co- of course, there's some speculation on how they're going to tie that in with actual Mac OS and, and, and things like that, but uh, with memory requirements kind of inching up there to that uh, you know 64-bit limit, we, we need to make that change to it. And of course, uh, with visual processing, uh, that the iOS 7 is very intense on, uh, that it really does benefit that as well because you've, you've got just much bigger uh, memory registers available. So the 5S also has uh, what you're calling an M, they're calling an M7 motion coprocessor. This continuously uh, measures the accelerometer, the gyroscope, and other motion of the device to better interact with things like health and fitness apps. Also, according to Apple, the M7 knows when you're walking, running, and even driving. And for example, they can switch a map from driving over to walking, turn-by-turn directions. Also, let's say if you're driving in a car, you park and then continue um, on foot. Um, They will make that change just kind of automatically without you having to do anything. Thing. Also, the iPhone 5S would do things like not asking to join Wi-Fi networks if you're in a moving vehicle, because clearly you're not going to be trying to connect to you know static, you know stationary networks there. Also, and if your phone hasn't moved in a while, like when you're asleep, the M7 reduces network pinging to spare your battery. So some nice, uh, nice benefits here with this uh, coprocessor they're including. So this coprocessor is kind of similar to what what uh, I think Motorola did with the uh, the, the the next uh, the X phone, where it's got a monitoring system where it can always monitor your voice. This is kind of always monitoring movements and other you know sensors as well. So this may be not anything that will be terribly useful right now in the short term, but over the upcoming year and in the future. This could really lend itself to, like you said, fitness applications or other sort of applications that can sit there and do background monitoring or go back to the data log and then use all that for whatever functionality they may uh, want to use it for. Yeah, and the I think there's a lot of great things that are going to come out of uh, you know out of this eventually. It's it's one of those things that Apple puts in, and and they've got a couple of just kind of core things that they're thinking about with this. But there'll be all sorts of things that will be able to take advantage of it, especially with iOS seven and just the the, the versatility that we have here now in the OS and the ability to do things in the background. And kind of the same way with the 64-bit, that's not really going to affect applications for quite some time in the future because it does really involve a, a pretty big refactoring of applications in order to support 64-bit uh, apps. And of course, uh, developers will have to have 32-bit components to run on the 32-bit devices, you know, which includes everything up till this point. And then, of course, the 64-bit. So we may not really see much other than the Apple stock applications that are in iOS 7 actually taking advantage of it here unless you've got big games and, and other stuff. So uh, expect the size of applications to start growing again, too. That's true. Another reason to uh, consider the size uh, in the device that you're going to get. But uh, going back to the battery in this, the FCC's website is uh, showing both of the new devices uh, already here. Of course, they've submitted them for review and both have larger batteries than the iPhone 5. The iPhone 5S's battery comes in around 
1570 milliamp hour batteries and the 5c at 1507 milliamp hours those are both larger than the iphone 5's 1440 milliamp hour battery now one of the biggest changes in the iphone 5s is the improved camera it's still 8 megapixels but redesigned for better low light performance the new camera has five elements and an aperture of f 2.2 for better low light performance it also has enlarged the size of the pixel so they capture more light the camera takes multiple shots and selects the best one and can also adjust the dual LED with uh, a true tone flash to match the ambient light for more correct skin tones when taking pictures of people when the conditions are dark. The camera can also capture slow motion video up to 120 frames per second at 720p resolution. So that's all kind of very interesting stuff here. And especially if you're someone who's using your phone for a lot of of pictures, these are going to be great things to consider. Uh, We'll come back to that here in a second when we talk about what we think about these devices overall. Now the other big change is the addition of the fingerprint sensor in the new iPhone 5S for a new security feature that they're calling Touch ID. Embedded into the home button, the Touch ID capacitive sensor is 170 microns, and it will not only allow users to unlock their device, but also do things like authenticate iTunes for purchasing of media. Apple says that all fingerprints will be encrypted and stored securely on the device itself, but never uploaded to iCloud or to its own servers. It also noted that the fingerprint sensor will be able to support multiple fingerprints with the same device. So for example, if you've got, let's say yourself, maybe a spouse, some kids that all want to use the device, you don't have to give them a passcode, just tell them to use their thumb, their pointer finger, whatever it is, and you can save up to, I think it's five or something like that, fingerprints on a specific, uh, on one device. So this is a great thing, I think, for for those that are considering what they're going to, uh, what they're going to do with their device and another way to keep it secure obviously some uh, some other issues come into that with uh, you know where the fingerprints are stored how easily easily they'll be able to be accessed but uh, fortunately Apple is is kind of been out in the forefront of that saying you know hey it's going to be all stored on the device itself never uploaded uh, to other outside places now the 5s will offer 10 hours of 3g talk time 10 hours of LTE browsing and standby time of th- uh, 250 hours Apple's new iPhone 5s will sell for $199 with the 16 gig model there that the low end 299 for 32 gigs and 399 for a 64 gig model of course, all on the usual two-year contract. No changes there from the previous devices that we've uh, seen offered. The device will be available for purchase on September 20th in the U.S., Australia, China, Canada, Germany, France, Singapore, the U.K., and Japan. Here in the U.S., it will be sold by AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, and for the first time at launch, T-Mobile. Now, thanks to an increase to 13 LTE bands with the new iPhone 5S and 5C, Apple says that is more than any other smartphone out there, and it will also be able to consolidate various models of iPhones for multiple carriers in other countries. The new iPhone will also launch on NTT Docomo in Japan for the first time, and Apple will launch a single model of the 5C and 5S in Japan for KDDI and SoftBank. Now, AT&T's next plans were announced on Thursday, and for those that are interested in short-term ownership, Uh, You can get them for starting with the 64 gig model, $37 a month for the device fee there on top of your plan. 32 gig versions will be $32, 16 gig versions at $27 a month. Uh, The 32 gig model of the iPhone 5C is 27 bucks, the 16 gig at 22 bucks. So that's all on AT&T and kind of wrapping up what they're going to be doing. Now for the the other LTE stuff here, especially uh, if you're just kind of concerned about this stuff, the more LTE bands that Apple now will be offering in a single model here for AT&T and Verizon in the U.S. Uh, really offers a very interesting thing. Sprint will still get their own model, uh, but AT&T and Verizon are now on one single device. Including uh, T-Mobile also. So they're all, you know, basically the three major carriers and the unlocked one that they'll be selling as unlocked are all the same model. Yeah, that's very, very neat. And, uh, you know, the, the Sprint thing here has to do, I think, with just the bands that they're using for, for LTE. Uh, one thing that I I, I, I read, read, and I'm not exactly sure how correct this is, but that Sprint, the Sprint model will not be offering, uh, or will not be able to tie into one of the bands that they're looking for future use in, and I'm not sure which one that was. Um, so I'm not really sure. But currently, if you're using uh, Sprint LTE, you're going to get all the, the stuff that you would expect with this new device. So I wonder if the uh, Verizon model is going to come unlocked. That's kind of a question. It seems like all the recent uh, Verizon models have, but uh, if that's the case, that could really drive up the the value of uh, Verizon models or, and even the other models because uh, you know they're the same thing. So you can move them to an unlocked uh, situation here in the future. So that does really bode well for people who purchase this device uh, in the future. And of course, the 5C is the same way, where it's the 5S and 5C 
all three of the major carriers uh, are on the single device, including the unlocked one of the 5C. It's very exciting. I was very excited about that with the iPhone 5, and so that's great to see this one here as well. Now, if you're in the UK, a customer there will be able to purchase a single iPhone model that will work on EE, Vodafone, and 3's upcoming LTE network all on that one device. Apple will also have a TD LTE-compatible version of the new iPhones. Uh, rumors of a deal with the world's largest telecom company, China Mobile, uh, have not yet been confirmed, but uh, there appears to be some uh, some work going on there. Now, there's also new leather cases from Apple that will sell for $39. The cases are made of pigment-dyed premium leather lined with microfiber to protect the finish of the iPhone 5s. Buttons cover the uh, the iPhone volume up and down buttons on the, on the phone, as well as cutouts for the hold switch, lightning port, and other openings on the phone. The case comes in six color- colors, including yellow, beige, blue, brown, black, and red. The red case, of course, a red edition one, uh, and that is the initiative of YouTube frontman Bono as a fight for AIDS. The case is, of course, available uh, for the iPhone 5S and will be compatible with the iPhone 5 as well. So what took Apple so long to get iPhone 5 cases officially made? It's bizarre to me that they never had one uh, available. Yeah, I'm not really sure. That's a, a very good point. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure what they have going on here, why they decided not to do that. Because, of course, we had the bumpers for the 4 and the 4S because uh, they knew they were going to need something for those, but nothing for the 5 until now. And you think they could have absolutely made a killing over the past year on iPhone 5 cases because, uh, you know, because typically people walk into the Apple store and buy the case because they're there and they know it's an Apple product. So they know they can trust it instead of going to eBay and getting the five dollar models uh, or some other third party. They just don't even want it to deal with it or think about it. So a uh, very strange move for Apple to uh, to not have cases available officially uh, from them for the five. But now we're going to a leather, you know, kind of a kind of a premium uh, case uh, compared to everything else out there. So it's definitely a unique case as well. Yeah, it definitely is unique. And I think we've got a we've got a lot of uh, we're going to have a lot of people that are going to be buying these. And, I, you know, I'm excited to see it as well. Uh, I'm happy with my uh, it's from a company called I protect. Uh, it's just, it's a, a relatively cheap one. I think it was like a five or eight dollar thing. It's very thin, thin profile. And all it does is really cover the corners and the back. So definitely not providing a lot of protection. But, uh, you know, something a little bit more premium here with these devices. Not cheap. Forty bucks. Uh, if you're not one of the countries we mentioned here, they plan on rolling out the new iPhone to 100 countries and 270 carriers by December. So you may be coming up here in the next few months. Now, another hardware news, the now ancient iPhone 4 has been discontinued in most countries along with the iPhone 5, but the company will continue to sell the nearly two-year-old iPhone 4S, now extinct with its dock connector and all. Uh, it will be available for no upfront cost on a two-year contract on a carriers that carry the iPhone 4S. The iPhone 4, though, interestingly, still available for sale for those in China. Uh, no word how long that will continue. And while Apple didn't announce them at the keynote, you can find now first-party docks for your iPhone again. The iPhone 5S and 5C docks now available in the Apple Store. The ship date is currently unknown, but they will be available in stores on the 20th for $30. The 5S dock, of course, will work with the iPhone 5 as well. So, a couple things we didn't get from this announcement here before we move on to other news. Lots of expectations here with Apple's announcement. Uh, The first budget iPhone did not get uh, released. I mean, certainly the iPhone 5C is $100 less, but that's not necessarily budget. It's still very expensive, and uh, you're better off just buying one from the used market out there if you're looking for something cheaper. Next, an iPhone with 128 gig capacity. Unlike the bump on the iPad, the iPhone's Max still sits at 64 gigs, and at a price that is $200 more than than the base model, um, it's really kind of odd when flash is so cheap these days that we're talking about a bump from 16 to 64 and it cost $200, essentially double the cost of the phone. There's the thought of 802.11ac Wi-Fi. Apple is yet uh, to update the iPhones to this. Uh, the update of their Airport Express and Extreme Lines to support the faster standard, as well as computers, came out just a few months ago, but not uh, happening yet for phones, so we'll have to wait at least another year probably before we see that and nfc we didn't see any communication uh, or any anything about that in there so well the standard has been on android for over two years now uh this isn't enough uh, there isn't enough out there to bring apple to put this into their devices yet and of course new ipads they did not happen i'm guessing we're going to probably see an announcement for that within the next probably six weeks I think so, too, because that's kind of the, the, the path they followed last year as well. So I think, uh, you know, you want to keep them separated anyways, as far as the announcement goes, because they're kind of targeting two different groups, really, because, you know, with iPhones, most people are under contract. So, you know, you don't really want to mix them together because they're kind of a different uh, different sort of audience. So the interesting uh, the interesting thing about all this, of course, 
if you listen to the show for any amount of time, you know that uh, both uh, myself uh, and Joey both use iPhones and, and uh, certainly are you know, big proponents of it. We discuss them a lot. Uh, certainly not necessarily the best devices for everyone, but they work well for both of us. So you may imagine that uh, the two of us would be upgrading our devices to one of the new devices that are out there. And uh, so let's talk about that real quick because it's a quick discussion. For me, uh, if I were to go out and buy one, I'm on Verizon right now. Uh, I am mid-contract, so it would cost me, and I would want the 32 gig model, $750 before tax. I could figure out how to sell this, of course, iPhone 5 that I have in my hand and get some money for that one and uh, you know reduce the cost, my overall out-of-pocket cost. But uh, I don't, do not think I'm going to do this at this point. Um, I'm going to see what uh, iOS 7 brings this week, how it runs on the device, and uh, that's that's actually what I'm most looking forward to. So at this point, I have no plans uh, to update. So I'm going to stick with this one for now and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing, Mickey, you know, because I uh, picked up the iPhone 5 when that came out that uh, first day. And it's, uh, you know, of course, it's still a year on the contract to go. I, I think my particular phone is a 24 month instead of like the 22 or 20 month that Verizon had. Uh, previously. So I don't really have any plans to upgrade at the moment. You know, it may work out where I can kind of uh, swap it with some new devices if I end up having to order some new ones uh, at the office. But at this point, there's no foreseeable uh, change uh, for me. Uh, you know, and like what we've said, you know, it's a bump here, bump there, bump there, but nothing, nothing is worth the three to $400 cash is what it would cost. You know, if I sold this one, uh, and then purchased the uh, 32 gig model of the five S, um, uh, device. So it's not, uh, you know, I don't really have the ability to justify it in my own head, uh, for that kind of uh, price. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's all about what the priority is. And, uh, you know, we're coming up to a point here where we, we see these these rather large changes in uh, in mobile devices uh, every single year. But the change from one year to the other, we're, I think, at a point now here. And I, I feel like this is the way with Android devices as well. If you've got a Note 2, the Note 3 has got some great updates to it, but maybe it's not right for you. The Galaxy 3 is a great device, but is the Galaxy 4 enough for you to make that move midstream? And, and the other part of it is, if you, if you figure it out and buy this one this year, you You'll be back on contract uh, for a contract by next year, so maybe then that's okay, and you can you can recoup some additional money, and, and it won't be nearly as much then out of pocket. But the bottom line is the one that we get next year, I think, is going to be even that much better, and so that's I'm fine waiting for that one because I, I'm I'm looking forward to you know a brand new design language physically for the the iPhone at that point. Well, and because smartphones are kind of a maturing market here, the, the, the changes that we see each year, they kind of decrease the amount of changes in the substantial uh, substantialness of them is kind of decreasing, just like with the PC market. At first, I mean, every year that would go by, the computer would be infinitely faster each year, you know, uh, based on uh, the processor and the memory increases and the, the bus increases. And we saw that initially early on in the smartphone market here, especially with the iPhone releases, uh, what, what they had done and even a lot of the Android devices, drastic improvements each year. But now that's kind of slowed down. So the, the, the need to upgrade is reducing, just like, I mean, for PCs. I mean, how many times a year do you upgrade your PC? I mean, it's, it's like 0.2 because you upgrade every five, six years now. Now on a PC side of things. And it, even the new one you get isn't drastically faster than the one you had from a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a, a now coming up on four-year-old computer here. Um, it has a 2.4 gigahertz Core i7 processor. No, it's not Haswell, um, but it, and with eight gigs of memory. Uh, you know, I, what am I going to get? I'm going to get something that's, you know, maybe 2.6 gigahertz. Maybe it's, uh, you know, got 16 gigs of RAM, maybe, but I may just cho still choose the 8 gig model. It's just, it's not that significant of an upgrade at this point. And, um, you know, so yeah, absolutely. We're at a point right now where, you know, doubling the whole Moore's Law thing, when we talk about doubling everything that's going on every 18 months or whatever it is, it's not as nearly nearly as what it what it was at one point. So uh, it is a very interesting thing. So uh, either way, I, I'm still excited to see them. I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to try and get over and check them out if I can find the time uh, this week. Otherwise, I'll try and do it over the weekend. But I, I'm really excited to see them, especially how that new space gray looks and how that new gold looks on the iPhone 5S because that'd be the one that I would get, if anything. Uh, and then start playing around with the camera and seeing what that can do. And uh, yeah, dual LED on here now, big, big win for uh, for iPhone users. So I think we've got to, you know, we have to wait to see how the reviews come out for this device to see what uh, the impression is of them to see, you know, maybe they will be responding just 
just drastically faster where you just cannot believe using this device is like an iPhone. I mean, typically reviews kind of uh, go that way for the iPhones and the new releases, how much smoother and how much quicker they run, uh, you know, programs and the operating system. And, and, and of course, a lot of people have had experience that will be doing the reviews using iOS 7 on their iPhone 5s right now. So, you know, that will kind of uh, give the, the reviewers a perspective on the operating system that's now on the new device. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how that pans out. And then also, you know, really, you know, Apple doesn't really care that that we upgrade Mickey because to, for them it's not that big of a deal, but they want to keep this consistency. Like when our contracts are up, they definitely want us to upgrade to the new iPhone. And I think that's kind of how they've uh, strategized here, making these every two year major substantial changes to their iPhones. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, for me, I, I love the first generation of the hardware, you know, where you've got the, the whole TikTok thing in the cycle of devices where you've got the 5, the 5S, the 4, the 4S, the 3G, the 3GS. You know, it's the same thing with the iPads at this point where you had the, the, the third generation iPad and then into the fourth generation iPad. Uh, and certainly, you know, that's why I'm looking forward to what the next iPad is going to be, because that to me is going to potentially be something and it's not going to have all the best in that you know specific design language uh, that we see for that particular line, but uh, it's going to be at the forefront of that, and that's why I like doing that type of upgrading. So what you know, one thing that's fairly interesting here that we saw this year is there was really no secrets uh, involved with these two devices. Uh, basically, the the name of the devices, the all the functions, both on the five C and the the five S, the uh, as far as the features go, they were all leaked. The colors were all leaked. The fingerprint sensor was leaked. The pictures, the the the, the specifications, everything was available. So there really was no surprises uh, on this device. Usually, Apple can slip one or two in, but this was just there was just no way that was possible. Maybe the even the 64-bit was rumored and the, the coprocessor was rumored, not real strongly, but they were available out there. Yeah, and that was, it was it was pretty amazing. And, you know, we got to about the hour point and they, they kind of had, you know, they went like pound, pound, pound through the presentation and we got to the hour point. It was 11 o'clock and uh, all of a sudden they were pretty much done. And then Elvis Costello came out and uh, started singing and it was like, wow, that's it. That was the, one of the quickest keynotes we've ever seen from them. And so it was it was very interesting to see how this how this one went. Definitely a little bit of change going on over there in the way that they're doing these product releases. And, uh, you know, certainly a lot of similarities from, uh, you know, talk about three or four years ago. But at the same time, it's like, look, here's our new devices. We've got a great new one here if you want it in color and plastic. And it's, you know, this and it's that. And and here's our 5S. And, and uh, thank you very much. And uh, go out and buy them. And that's, you know, that's just kind of what the, the, the message was. And uh, certainly they, you know, they're doing really, uh, I think, a it's kind of an interesting job of making sure that we are not getting too excited, um, you know, ahead of time for these. Um, and I'm not sure why, and I'm not sure why that is, but, uh, you know, cause maybe it's just because everything is leaking out here, but it, it just never used to be this way. It was, it's almost kind of sad, isn't it? Cause there's, there's no surprises anymore. That's that's true. It is it is kind of sad that there's no surprises. But on the flip side of thing, it, it, it probably really doesn't matter at this point because everybody kind of expected uh, an iPhone 5S, you know, basically an iPhone 5 that's been redone and with better with slightly better specifications. And that's what we saw. So, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, the fingerprint thing would have been kind of neat for a surprise. It would have would have wooed everybody if they would have not heard that before. But, you know, like we said before, it is a maturing market. And these these things, you know, they're, they're little little incremental updates and it's not anything major. So, uh, you know, I really don't think uh, that Apple's going to have any trouble selling you know, tons and tons of these devices over the year and really still maintaining uh, their their strength here in the U.S. Uh, you know, I think these colored cases for the iPhone 5C is going to actually be uh, pretty successful for them. I really do think that these uh, colors are going to be a strong seller. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you're probably right with that. And uh, just generally, I mean, you, you have a you knew what was going to happen in general. And, uh, you know, unless they were to come out with something totally different, which we, you know, there were, there were some kind of off the wall rumors that we would see, you know, some bigger size devices, but those were just that just rumors. And, and I think it's more just speculation of, you know, people like the New York times saying, well, they're, they're looking at making a bigger device. Well, of course they're looking at making a bigger device. They're looking at all sorts of different things. They've got prototypes that are being, you know, done in all sorts of different sizes. So, uh, I would ultimately think that we're going to see a, a real, um, a 
real shift for the next one here. I think they realize it. What I'm not completely sure of yet is when that's going to be. Are they going to wait a whole nother year? I don't know. You know, we you could have said they would have with the iPad uh, and they didn't, of course, with that. So uh, maybe they'll surprise us and we'll see something here, you know, early next year where they'll come out with something bigger and it'll be the iPhone 6 and ready to go with a brand new a brand new looking device. So I think they're going to release something uh, or, you know, maybe towards the end of the, the first quarter of next year, that's going to be a, uh, a Note uh, 3 style device where I have a feeling it's going to be a phone with the iPad OS on it, where it's going to be, uh, I don't know, because the iPad mini is 7.9 and the iPhone's 4. I think we're going to see something in the mid six range here between smack dab in between the two devices where it's it's not going to be an expanded iPhone or maybe it will be where you know that they're going to add actual pixels to the screen instead of just choosing between the two um it's going to be something in the middle i have a feeling they're going to do that because they're one they're going to keep the iphone the same they're going to keep it at four inches even going into the the next generation which would be what the the seventh iphone eighth iphone whatever that model happens to be they're going to keep it the same but i think we're going to see another uh device class here that falls in between the two Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think they could do it, and I think we could we would see a lot of people very interested in it. So it's uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm totally with you here. I think they could do this, and they could do it well. I think they could because uh, you know, in, in an early next year uh, release cycle, would be something that. Apple would do because they they need to stir things up, uh, especially that time of year, because they they need to bring in a a different mindset for people and, and a different product to, to really stir the industry up and, and kind of create this second class that, uh, you know, that uh, Samsung has done with the Galaxy Note. Yeah, and that's a great that's a great example, uh, and you know something where people are are carrying more devices now. I mean, two devices is not unheard of. I see a lot of people walking around with a phone and a tablet, and it's just it's what they do. It's not the norm yet, but more people are doing it. And so, if you can find something that's even more portable, you know, maybe that makes a little bit of sense. So, anyway, moving on, we had a lot of other news this week. So uh, let's kick it off with talking about Walmart. On Tuesday, they announced a new program beginning September 21st, allowing customers to receive credits for trading in old iPhones that will be recycled. Walmart said that they will accept most functioning smartphones and will offer credit ranging from $50 to $300 depending on the condition of the device. Walmart said it will provide $300 in credit for an Apple iPhone 5 or $175 for a Samsung Galaxy S3 and it will require uh, does require a contract a new contract to be signed with either AT&T, Sprint or Verizon Wireless upon trade-in. The program will be available at around 300 uh, excuse me 3500 Walmart and Sam's Club locations throughout the country. The FC see on Friday announcing that auction 96 which will sell spectrum licenses in the H block is uh, set to begin January 14th 2014 the H block indicates uh, or includes 1915 to 1920 megahertz and 1995 to 2000 megahertz now both bands in addition to firming up the date will allow the fcc to propose uh to uh, adopt previously proposed procedures uh, that were coming in for this new auction here the auction expected to draw interest from sprint which owns spectrum and that abuts the h block among others according to reuters private investors looking to gobble up blackberry assets are reportedly looking at select portions but not the entire company several equity firms have signed non-disclosure agreements with BlackBerry recently to explore acquisition possibilities. The Reuters sources say it's likely to com- uh, the company will be broken up and sold in pieces. The firms are looking at BlackBerry's operating system and the patents surrounding its keyboards in particular. One of the BlackBerry uh, investors, Fairfax Financial Holdings, has met with other financial firms in hopes of finding ways to uh, fund the uh, the entire uh, the entire uh, you know pickup of this company here to make the entire thing private, uh, but it holds currently only about 10% of the firm. Reuters says that sales, uh, pro- the sales process is expected to begin within the next few weeks. AT&T on Tuesday announcing its commitment to supporting Band 12 with its LTE network and devices in the 700 megahertz range. The move will make it easier for smaller carriers such as U.S. Cellular and Cricket to move forward with their LTE networks in the lower 700 megahertz band. AT&T has previously only supported Band 17 and offered Band 17 devices which do not support the lower frequency blocks in that 700 megahertz megahertz band that is licensed to other smaller carriers band 12 is the subset of band 17 covering both the lower frequency 
frequencies used by smaller carriers and those higher ones used by AT&T. Manufacturers have tended to focus more efforts towards the phones with larger carriers such as AT&T, leaving smaller carriers with few band 12 phones that work on their LTE networks. Now that AT&T has committed to offering band 12 devices, more devices will be available to the smaller carriers. AT&T previously objected to supporting the band, citing interference concerns. The FCC, however, has been re-examining the issue of this interoperability among the 700 megahertz band and also put pressure on AT&T in the process. Now, AT&T on Tuesday also announcing that it has finalized an agreement to purchase select portions of the 700 megahertz spectrum from uh, Verizon Wireless. AT&T had bought 700 megahertz B-block licenses that cover 42 million people across 18 states from Verizon. That is uh, for a sale price of $1.9 billion. AT&T will use the spectrum to enhance and supplement its existing 4G LTE coverage in California, Florida, Illinois, New York, Ohio, Texas, as well as a few other states. In addition uh, to the cash payment, AT&T gave Verizon Wireless Advanced Wireless Services Spectrum, i.e. AWS, in the Phoenix, Los Angeles, and Fresno, California markets, along with Albuquerque and Portland. AT&T says its LTE 4G network covers more than 225 million people and will hit 270 million by the end of the year. T-Mobile this week quietly upgraded its mobile hotspot options for customers who choose its $70 unlimited plan. The $70 plan offers customers unlimited talk, text, and web, but no mobile hotspot or tethering. The new plans offer the addition of 2.5 gigabytes of mobile data uh, to their $70 unlimited plan for $20 a month, 4.5 gigs of mobile hotspot data for an extra $30 a month or 6.5 gigs of hotspot data for $40 per month. And uh, T-Mobile also this week announcing the expansion of that LTE network that it has covering now 180 million people in 154 markets. T-Mobile's HSPA Plus network now covers 228 million people. Cricket Wireless on Thursday announced unlimited international long distance plus giving Cricket customers unlimited calling to cell phones in Mexico for only $20 a month. The plan includes all the features of the existing unlimited international long distance plan, which offers unlimited calls to landlines and unlimited messaging to more than 90 countries around the world. The new unlimited international long distance plus plan will be available beginning on September 15th. Prepaid carrier Straight Talk announced this week that it will use their $45 unlimited plan now supporting devices on AT&T's LTE 4G network. Previously, devices were limited to HSPA Plus speeds for data. Customers who brought their own LTE devices in the past will only get those HSPA Plus speeds, and now the LTE devices will have that faster speed set. Now, you will have to purchase a new SIM card, which are only 7 bucks, but you can then sign up for Straight Talk's month-to-month service as well. Straight Talk is compatible with most unlocked GSM-based devices, including smartphones. The $45 plan includes unlimited voice messages messaging and a data bucket around two gigabytes. Finally, in news, British carrier EE announced on Tuesday a new service called Swap that will help frequent phone buyers upgrade mid-contract. EE customers who are six months or more into their current contract will be able to return their existing device, pay a one-off fee, and walk away with a brand new phone with an extended contract. The one-off payments range from 49 to 299 pounds, depending on the customer's monthly uh, plan. The uh, choice of eligible phones is is limited, but the iPhone 5 is included, and just in time for the iPhone 5S announcement, of course, that happened this week. Into devices, Microsoft or Nokia preparing to launch a Windows phone under the Lumia line with a six inch display. Verge reader KAZ has supplied a number of photos of the device along with a number of details of the handset. The report is claiming the device has two gigs of RAM, a Qualcomm Snapdragon 800 processor, a six inch 1080p display, 32 gigs of storage and an SD slot. The rear of the device includes a camera with a hump that is similar to Nokia's Lumia 925 and it also matches a press render that leaked earlier this month. Microsoft's latest Windows Phone 8 update known as General Distribution 3 can be seen running on the device with an additional column of live tiles on the start screen for 1080p resolution support. Now details of the Microsoft upcoming GDR3 update which will be shipping on the new, uh, new Lumia 1520 leaked last week as well. The update uh, includes a driving mode designed to mute calls and text automatically when paired by Bluetooth to a car. There's also rotation 
unlock and improved multitasking changes that will be included alongside support for custom sounds for text, voicemail, email, and reminders. Nokia is expected to launch the Lumia 1520 codenamed Bandit on AT&T in the coming weeks. On the Android side, shortly following the announcement of the Note 3 last week, head of mobile for Samsung, J.K. Shin, claims his company has sold 38 million Galaxy Note devices so far. Given the strong past sales of the Galaxy Note and Note 2, Shin says the recently announced Note 3 will outdo the predecessors and sell 10 million units by the end of the year following the launch on September 25th. An LTE version of the uh, that device can be found on multiple different carriers here in the States. Now, if you're looking for a new 2013 Nexus 7 with built-in LTE, it is now available at the Google Play Store. The 32-gig unlocked LTE device will work on most major U.S. carriers as it carries uh, LTE bands of 700, 850, AWS, and 1900 megahertz. Further, the device will come bundled with a T-Mobile SIM card, which will get users up and running without needing to purchase a SIM to get things going. Shipping is free. Price is $350. And following the release, T-Mobile confirmed that every purchase will qualify for two gigs of free LTE data during its first month of service. So make sure you take advantage of that uh, if you pick up one one of these devices. Documents on the FCC's website this week provided new detail of the overview of the LG device that was seen a few weeks ago in a video Google posted regarding the recent launch of Android KitKat. We're talking about the next version of the Google Nexus, of course. LG submitted a Class 2 permissive change for a variant of Verizon's LG G2 for some hardware changes to the device. The device has a similar shape and design as the Nexus 4, but has a larger camera module on the back surface of that device. So uh, we talk about Nexus devices. We saw, I think it was two years ago, we saw an announcement for a new Nexus. Actually, the last two years, new Nexus devices announced in October. So we should be seeing some new stuff there as well. So I'll be honest, I'm, I've got a lot of stuff you know, that I'm thinking about, obviously, with the new Note. We've got the new iPhones that are out here now. We're talking about a new Nexus. We've got some new iPads, the, you know, the new Nexus tablet as well. So a lot of great stuff that's out there these days if you're looking for a new smartphone. Fall is the time to get in on your device purchases. In software, first in iOS, as part of the hardware announcement, Apple announced that it will be offering its five top iLife apps, including Pages, Numbers, Keynote, iPhoto, and uh, all in new iOS devices for free. So the apps will be optional downloads, but can be installed at no additional charge for new hardware that's purchased. Apple previously charged $10 for each of these. Uh, iMovie is included in there as well. Google on Thursday updating Chrome for iOS. The new version makes it easier to return to search results with an improved back function. It also supports the use of pronouns in voice search, so users can ask more direct questions such as who is the, and then go ahead and ask your question from there. Microsoft releasing a new Xbox Music app for Android and iOS this week. The app features ad-free streaming from Microsoft's massive song collection with custom stations built around specific artists, songs, or albums. These playlists can be synced to other Xbox Music-capable devices, such as an Xbox 360. The app requires an Xbox Music Pass to work, which comes in both free and paid varieties. The app description doesn't state that a paid subscription is needed, but free accounts are limited to only 10 hours per month after the first six months of use. Apps are free downloads for their respective app stores. Some questions and comments this week. First up, a question from Patrick. He says, Mickey and Joey, uh, thank you for always providing a top-notch tech podcast. You're definitely on the top of my tech podcast list. Now, most Android, que- most of my questions here are related to Android. Um, I moved from a Samsung Fascinate to an LG Spectrum to an iPhone 4S, and now I'm on the iPhone 5, all of those on Verizon. I'm quite quite pleased with my iPhone 5, but I'm beginning to get somewhat bored with iOS. I'm considering a possible switch back to Android here, and however, one of the main issues that I left that made me leave Android behind was due to the inconsistent lag and stutters I experienced with the OS. I also hated on how when you leave an app, use a few other apps, and then go back to the initial app, the device needs to redraw it in its entirety. It's as though the app was never opened in the first place. This also happens on the Galaxy Tab 2 7-inch running stock Jelly Bean that I have, and in iOS, I've noticed that you can leave most apps open for quite a long period of time, and they'll usually just resume right where you left them off. Do you know if this app resume issue and other lag issues have improved with the newer builds of Jelly Bean? I've also contemplated switching to a Windows Phone 8 device like the Lumia 928. I really love the Metro UI and the smooth operation of Windows Phone, but I'm reluctant to switch that the trouble uh, that they have doing things like securing a native YouTube application. Your thoughts. Thanks for a great show, 
Patrick. Um, well, the first thing that I'll, I'll just say here is as far as the, um, you know, as far as the lag is concerned and, uh, you know, the things that are going on there, uh, I do think that things have gotten better with the latest builds of, uh, of Jellybean here, um, you know, or since Jellybean. But, uh, you know, certainly we're, we're still... Um, I think you're going to find it. It's better than probably where you left it, but I'm not sure if it's going to be quite as good. Joe, you've used Android more recently than I have. So what do you think on that? Yeah, I, you know, I've got the 4.2.2 running here on the touchpad, which isn't totally a fair analysis because this is a CyanogenMod 10, but I do uh, experience the same situation where if an app has been uh, not up on the screen for a while, it has been shut down in the background. And that's uh, that's the memory saving techniques that Android use. Uh, you know, back in the day, people used to use, uh, you know, task killer applications, and that's not necessary anymore because it's all handled uh, in the background when, when resources are filled up. So depending on the memory of the device, and, and you know, there's some articles written about this if you really want to dig into the details i don't know what they are offhand especially for the latest version but it, it, it's d- dependent on the device memory so if you have a lot of memory in your, in your device it will uh probably hold the apps open longer in their open state until they they get shut down uh but i don't know if there's specific timers involved you know after an hour or x number of minutes and and iphone is the same way it'll keep uh in ios it'll keep apps open until it doesn't have enough memory to. So if you switch to a big game, it can close everything that you have and you'll have to go to that redraw screen where you describe where it has to basically relaunch the app from the start. So I've experienced that with iOS. But but in my normal usage, I don't see that like you describe. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I don't see it in in uh, in the Apple side either. And that's you know something that there are exceptions to devices that will still stay running, of course, all the time, like streaming audio, voice over IP, turn by turn navigation, and uh, in stuff like where you've got a a specific app that's doing a task, uh, you know, uploading some sort of document or something like that, depending on what kind of app you're using, will continue to run even after you close it. It doesn't put it into pause until that uh, until that's finished. So, of course, with iOS 7 up and coming here, since you still have your iPhone 5, you know, wait and see how iOS 7 does for you, because this could uh, this could kind of give you the spark back in the iOS that you were missing. Of course, it has a lot more multitasking background stuff uh, than what we've ever seen before with iOS. So it could really, uh, really change up iOS uh, functionality here. I, I can't wait to get uh, background updates in Google Voice where the app doesn't have to redraw it every time you launch it. There's a bunch of other little things that will really, really help uh, because of this background, this real background multitasking that's going to be available. And I'm, I'm looking at one as well, and that's the, uh, the ability to use the official native Google uh, Gmail application. Uh, I'm really looking forward to being able to use that. I actually may do a full uh, wipe and redo of my phone, and uh, so I would be losing the exchange uh, functionality uh, that you get uh, with, uh, with what you could use you know, with, with Gmail here uh, you know, on devices that are currently set up. So um, I, would, I, just, I don't know. I really like the ability to use, uh, to use the Gmail app. There's this great thing called Hotmail.com uh, where you can do your uh, or Outlook.com where it uh, still supports Exchange support. Yeah, I, I know there is. And uh, I reject that option <laughs> and I continue to use Gmail. So <laughs> that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I do understand that is an option. I just I don't want to take the time to do it. I will take the time to completely blow away and redo my device, but I don't want to migrate my, my mail. So and that's a terrible idea. You need to get your own domain name and then you never have to worry about which service you're using. You just switch transparently behind the scenes whenever you want. So the sooner you get on that, the sooner you can start doing that. I know, I know. I just, I don't know what I would do, what, what my domain would be, you know, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see what, how that goes. But anyway, lots of new stuff here. Thanks thanks for the uh, writing in, Patrick. And, uh, you know, like, like Joey mentions here, it's probably worth the wait. Just check out, see what iOS 7 is going to give you. And for the Windows Phone question, I still would be real skeptical at this point, just on the uh, the application support. And, and and really, it depends on your personal needs. You'd have to look through the list of of apps that you use that you find uh, uh, useful and, and things you want to see on the device. And if it supports those, uh, you know, either natively or through applications, then you know something you may really want to consider. Uh, you know, maybe buy an unlocked device and use it. Just, I don't know, something like that to try it out. Uh, you know, look at it at the stores as much as you can to see if that's the, the device that you'd kind of want, read reviews on forums, see how uh, they hold up. But, uh, you know, to me, definitely, definitely do a bunch of homework before you make that kind of jump. Yeah, it's it's a big one. And uh, certainly there's there's some great hardware there. Nokia has done a good job, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of in Joey's camp here on this one. I'm not uh, I'm not sold yet there. And uh, let's wait and see what happens here with Microsoft and, and the, the purchase there that they've just made over the last couple of weeks of Nokia. Next up here is a voicemail from Carl. 
Hi, Mickey and Joey. This is Carl calling from Nebraska. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Um, I'm getting ready to uh, order my uh, iPhone 5S, and what I'm doing is my wife is currently on Sprint. I'm going to bring her over to Verizon. I'm going to port her number over. I want to give her my iPhone 5, and then I'm going to take her iPhone 5S at the, the contract price. Um, what is the easiest way for me to swap those phones? Because it'll come, I'm assuming, it'll come with her number uh, programmed into the SIM card for the 5S. Um, can I just remove the SIM card from my 5 and put it in the 5S and take the phone from the 5S and put it in the 5? Um, what is the, uh, the easiest way? Do I need to go into a Verizon store? Um, do I need to uh, do some kind of shenanigans with their website? Um, I've called customer care and I've gotten three different answers. So I figure you guys would be the best people to, uh, to help me out with this. Anyways, uh, keep up the good work and, uh, I look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you. Carl, thank you very much for the voicemail. Uh, great question here. Uh, this is one that I'm sure a lot of people are going to have and uh, at least be contemplating here as they move uh, to new devices here. So the short answer is that you will be able to just swap the SIM card and you'll be ready to go. The Verizon account will detect the SIM in the device and change over to it in its record. So in fact, you'd be able to log into Verizon just shortly after you do that SIM swap and you will see your phone number registered on the new 5S device and vice versa. So no big deal there. I used to do it all the time between the 4G dongle uh, that I had. Uh, I had a MiFi, also an iPad, and then a Galaxy Nexus for a while as well. No big deal. Just swap back and forth and you should have no problems. Um, you know, you will, uh, what I would recommend is that you probably do it, um, put the SIM in first before even turning on the phone and and uh, so that it can figure all of the configuration out with your particular phone number, uh, gets that phone number registered in the device and all of that. So, uh, you know, something does happen to go haywire. Uh, obviously, you can just make a quick call to Verizon or just pop on the website and, and check it out. But my guess is you won't have to do any of that. I've never had to. It works really good. It's kind of like the GSM side now for these LTE services. The only difference is, of course, if you're moving to a device that does not have LTE, i.e. does not use a SIM, then you've got to do something here. But you're talking about all SIM devices here. So no big deal. But great question here. It is something, like I said, that I know a lot of people will be asking here as they try and make their upgrades here over the next couple of weeks. And then we've got a question from John. He says, cell phone junkies, a question regarding Straight Talk. I'm hoping for an answer. Uh, Straight Talk uses Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint towers around the country. But I know AT&T has two different coverage areas. One is for contract phones, one for prepaid Go phones. Do you know if I can bring a contract phone from AT&T straight over to Straight Talk and with the AT&T SIM card have the contract AT&T coverage area or does it switch over to prepaids uh, the prepaid go phone coverage area i'm in a small rural north central iowa area in which i live where contract phones work okay because they use the at&t partner coverage but the go phone uh which doesn't use these partner areas does not work thanks for everything you guys do john so john you know there really is a lot of conflicting information out there about this um but uh, really the question you have to you have about bringing a contract phone over to straight talk is not really the relevant question here the question we need to be asking is whether or not a phone uh has a sim card in it that's provisioned properly for this it's not whether the phone is on contract a contract service or not so here's the good news at least from um the the most information that i found is that uh it, you can get the postpaid at&t coverage which roams on not only T-Mobile towers with uh, the AT&T Straight Talk SIM card, but on other carriers as well. I read one person that said they were using Straight Talk uh, with AT&T service, so the AT&T enabled Straight Talk SIM, and they were on unicell towers up in northwestern Maine. So certainly there are other carriers other than T-Mobile that you would be on, but uh, that's what I'm—they're one of those AT&T partners that's out there. So that's why I'm thinking that you're you're going to have no problem here. The bottom line is that you can get an AT&T Straight Talk SIM. Um, if you can get one, that is, which are actually kind of hard to come by these days, you really should have no issues getting AT&T coverage in uh, that area that you live uh, up there in Iowa. So, um, you know, good luck to you with that one here. Very interesting stuff. And you can also go to Straight Talk's website. They do have a service area thing, so you can kind of check out what the, the possibilities are 
uh, of service in the the area that you want to be in. So it's a, uh, you know, I can't guarantee it's going to work and, and they give you a, a range of devices that you want, but it looks like they have pretty decent GSM coverage all through the Iowa and South, uh, uh, the, the Northeast area of Iowa here based on just grabbing a device uh, that I just pulled up a GSM one at least. Yeah. So I think you're going to be okay with that. This actually surprised me because I didn't realize that they would be using the contracted coverage rates or areas. I thought it would be definitely the go phone places, which is what you get when you go and buy, you know, a prepaid card directly from either AT&T or even T-Mobile. You don't get any of that roaming. And so uh, certainly this may be a better way to go. And, um, you know, it's probably a little bit better for you if that's what you're deciding to use or at least look at for uh, for services here. Finally, today is a question from John. Uh, he says, uh, hello, self. This is a different John. He says, hello, self and Chucky podcast. I was using Dolphin browser for a long time as my bookmark syncing system because Dolphin was available on Android, iOS, and even my playbook that I owned. Now uh, that I'm going away from Dolphin and I'm not using Chrome, is there an app or a creative solution that I can use to think of to move bookmarks across devices and OSs? I would still like to keep them in folders and organized for uh, example, finance as a folder and then bookmarks related to that underneath. Pocket, I thought would work, but you can't search by more than one tag unless I'm missing something. Um, I have have other things saved in there as well. Evernote could work, but it's a little clunky in my opinion for a bookmark system. I'm out of other ideas. Otherwise, thanks for your help, John S. Uh, well, John, uh, the, the recommendation I'm going to make is X marks uh, and take a look at this here. And this is one that um, it was a it, it's a bookmark syncing and searching service. Um, I don't use it a whole lot now uh, because I'm basically all in with Chrome. Uh, but I did use this quite a bit because I had a Windows machine uh, which I was relegated to using IE on, and then I had a you know of course Chrome and Safari and uh, Firefox all running on various computers and various things. So uh, it's definitely worth uh, worth taking a look at. Your your, your comment about Evernote is interesting. Um, you know, and I when I first heard that, I thought, well, why would you want to do that? And then I thought, well, I don't do that for bookmarks, but I do that for other interesting things like contacts. You know, I could do a regular contact style uh, list, but I, I, for whatever reason, for kind of like my archive of contacts, I keep them all in Evernote and it works really well uh, for doing searching as an example. And you don't have to have just an absolutely massive contact list if that's not what what you want if it's people that you're just looking kind of for just general I want to be able to search and find information about them and so it, it that's uh, that's one of those things that I think well maybe it actually could work for you if you dumped them all in there uh, I don't know how you do that if it's one particular note or if it's a, a notebook that's got individual notes for each each bookmark there um, but uh, that I mean it certainly could uh, any any other creative solutions though I mean there's a lot of note uh, type services out there that you could you could keep them there and use that. But uh, to me, X marks I think is the best solution here. I don't know, Joe, if you've got anything else for them. I really don't as far as a platform thing. I mean, you could also consider using Dropbox, but I don't know if there's support on the playbook for that uh, if you wanted to do just the LNK file. So I, I guess you could do that, but I think a service like this would be uh, probably the best bet. Yeah, and this is, this is uh, I'm looking here, they've got support for iPhone, Android, uh, BlackBerry access, uh, they do, of course, have all of the syncing uh, functionality across all of the desktop browsers as well. So check it out. Uh, I, it is owned by LastPass now. I believe there's a free version of it. And then you can also switch over to a, a premium service. It's like it's very cheap. It's like a buck a year or something like that. Uh, so check it out. Uh, X marks is what it's called. And uh, it, uh, it works pretty well. So if you have any questions or contact uh, comments for us, that is, please let us know. Contact us by sending us email to questions at the cell phone junkie dot com. Or if you'd like to leave us a voicemail like Carl did, you can give us a call 206-203-3734. We'd love to hear from you and get your questions or comments on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at the cell phone junkie.com. 